Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I say a lot about one of the major things I learned is uh, I was 42 years old when um, the Holy Spirit fell on me in 1994. And um, I'd been saved at that time a while. I'd been saved for about 20 some odd years, 22 years, 21 years been pastoring for 16 years, but I'd, um, one of the things that I had forgotten and had stopped exercising in my life is my spiritual breathing exercises. <laughs> I'd forgotten to breathe. I'd been holding my breath a long time. I'd been living on exhale. And... You know, and, and you, you can do that. You can do that in the spiritual. You can pray in tongues and just be exhaling, giving. You think you're doing something. You're compl- you're, you're working it. You're exhaling. You're testifying. You're preaching. You're healing. You're witnessing. You're exhaling. I've been pre- I've been pastoring a great church for 16 years, and I was so out of breath and didn't even know it. Had no clue. And he's, you know, it's like. In, in his own way, he didn't use these words, but he, what he said is just, just take a breath, okay? Take a breath, take a breath, take a breather and breathe in. Just stop doing and start receiving. I breathe you in. Ha, 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 ha. I breathe you in. And you don't have to do anything. You know, for the next few minutes, we're going to take communion a little bit. And you can go who dad if you want to after that. But... We're going to breathe him in right now. Just, just take a break. Disengage your brain. Get off the emails. I breathe you in. Just, just take, take him in. Take him in. As I, as I share the word, just let his word, just take it, let it just osmosis. Just let it come into you this morning. I'm going to read eight verses of 1 Peter. Um, this is the, the first letter that Peter wrote, probably wrote it. 30 some odd years after the death and resurrection. He was, and he called it Babylon. He said he wrote it from Babylon, but he was living in Rome is where he was. And he uh, wrote this letter to, to the scattered believers. People have been scattered. You know, in Jerusalem, in the first year, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands came to Christ. And then persecution broke out and they were scattered everywhere. And that's who he was writing this letter to. As Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, this is First Peter chapter one, to those who reside as strangers scattered Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy, in proportion to His great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now you have to consider who's writing this. This, this was not a theological statement. This was something he'd seen with his own eyes. He'd seen Jesus resurrected from the dead with his own eyes, physically. 
So, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Everyone say, greatly rejoice. Say it again, greatly rejoice. You know, what does greatly rejoice look like? Anyway, even though, now for a little while, if necessary... You've been distressed by various trials. You've been in, living in COVID land for two years. Been blown around by Ida for a couple of year, for a couple few months. So you've been, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which perishes. It says gold perishes, but your faith doesn't. Gold perishes, but your faith doesn't. Gold perishes, but your faith doesn't. Though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He had his eyes on the second coming, when Christ is revealed. And though you have not seen him, he's talking to people who had not seen him in the resurrection, you still love him. And though you do not see him now, but you believe in him, You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, unspeakable, and full of glory. Glorified joy. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. So these... I I got stuck on this first first verse this last week. I've been reading it. I've been chewing on it. I've been thinking about it. I've been reading it again and reflecting on it. And I want to read it to you again right here, right now, in this blog that I wrote called Scattered. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to those who reside as strangers. You know, that's, that's how I, I sometimes feel like a stranger in this world. Actually, we are strangers. You're stranger than you realize. You're a stranger. You don't fit in. You shouldn't fit in. In this culture, you should be absolutely, they should look at you and at work, at school, in the neighborhood, they should look at you and say, that guy's strange. If they're not, then if you're, if you're like them, something's desperately wrong. So those who reside as strangers, strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Now this is what, this is what got me. Strangers who are scattered. Those, that terminology makes me feel haphazard. Things went bad. Things went wrong. I was, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I got scattered. My plans got messed up. I've been thrown all over the place. But he goes on to say, scattered but chosen. Scattered but chosen. Everyone say scattered but chosen. What looks like haphazard is absolutely intentional. What looks like a mess is absolutely the brilliant, absolute, distinct plan of God for your life. It not, might not be your plan or what you thought. And I wasn't thinking of much of anything that's happened in the last two years to happen in my life. But it happens. And it wasn't accidental. It's intentional. We are where we're supposed to be, right here, right now. I don't care what the insurance companies are saying or not doing. I don't care about the slow walk they're doing all the way from London to get the checks over here. It doesn't matter. It's scattered, but intentional. Chosen by God. Chosen to be right here at the right moment in the fullness of time. Called for such a time as this. 
You know, Peter was writing in a, to a group of people that were under severe persecution. They'd been persecuted. They'd been scattered. And it's happening again. So anyway, let me get back to this blog. I've been pondering or maybe chewing on this passage of Scripture all week. What struck me was the interesting contrast in the words Peter chose to relate to the believers in the region he was writing to. Apparently, there had been a severe outbreak of persecution in this particular region, and Peter wrote this letter to bring encouragement to the Christians there. A portion of the church there had been possibly scattered by earlier persecution in Judea, and all they could think about was, here we go again. More persecution. Again, look carefully at what Peter's saying in his opening comments. He uses the word scattered. Diaspora, which literally means scattered like seeds. It's the scattering of seeds. So whatever's happened to you in the last two years, you've been placed in the hand of the sower of seed, and he's sown you in this culture exactly where he wants you to be. You, I, you are part of the diaspora, the scattered seeds of God. Hallelujah. So... So yes, it literally means scattered like seeds. He also used the word strangers, or parapidemos, which means an alien, a traveler from another country. So I, I'm, I've, been, I've been tossed like a seed into the wind and, and thrown wherever the wind has taken me, according to the plan of God. And where I've ended up, I feel like I'm a stranger, an alien, a stranger in a strange land. Why? Because this is not my culture. This is not my culture anymore. I'm not part of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. So, yes, yeah, so I'm scattered. I'm a stranger. Then he uses the word, final word that pulls everything together. Chosen or eclectos. 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 Chosen, selected by God. In the church that Peter was writing to, they felt like they'd been scattered, like forgotten migrants tossed randomly by their circumstances. Peter was letting them know they had, not, they, had been, they had been known and loved by God from eternity, and they were his chosen people. They were not in this situation by accident. They had been planted there by the Lord to bear fruit. You are where you are by the choice of God. He's planted you where you are. It might be uncomfortable. It might not feel right. It might not be your plan. But you're there by the purpose and plan of God to bear fruits. That's why you're where you are. To bear fruit. Everyone say, bear fruits. By this is my Father glorified, that I bear much fruits. By this is my Father glorified, that I've planted where I am. I may not like it right now, but I am planted where I am, and this is where I'm going to bear fruits. So if we're honest, all of us can relate to this. I felt scattered and isolated at times over the last two years of COVID and Ida. The Lord's telling us that if we are His, we are not scattered haphazardly, but planted strategically. The Lord is setting things up for the advancing of His kingdom. So scattered is not bad if the Lord is doing the scattering. He puts us exactly where He wants to for our good and for His glory. And this scripture came into my mind. There was a sermon that was preached at God's army that shook everybody to their core. It was called, Get Planted. Everybody say, Get Planted. Get Planted where you're sown. Where He's sown you, get planted right there. 
Get your roots down deep. And it says Psalm 92, 92 verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courtyards of our gods. Planted. So I, I mean, in the, in the midst of the scattering, in the midst of the scattering, I'm not just one individual seed, but I'm part of a whole bag of seeds that have been scattered and planted right here. And I need to recognize my place in the house of God. Forsake not the assembling together of the saints. Embrace the work of God. Embrace His church. And play, embrace your position in the church. And allow yourself to be planted. So we're looking again at these, some of these words. Strangers. Strangers in a strange land. I love that terminology. I'm a, I want to say this. Say I'm a stranger in a strange land. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as strangers. What are you doing? I'm residing as a stranger. I'm just here. I'm an alien. I am. My, my citizenship is in heaven. They can ask for my papers, but my, my papers are in heaven. This, this is a... So, this is a... As, as a young Christian, First Peter was one of my favorites. To me, Peter was like a man stuck between two worlds. I can identify with that. After my conversion, the Lord took me out of my world. It was as if Paris and I were caught up by a whirlwind. We were born again, married, left for Bible school in California, baptized in the Spirit, and launched into our ministry calling, all within a span of two weeks. We were away from everything we'd been familiar with, snatched out of one culture and put into another culture. Thank God. The culture I was in was not a good one. Our friends, jobs, families, and lifestyles were all part of our past. We were brought into a new world with a new culture, new music, new friends, and a brand new family. Our problems begin when we don't allow the work of the Spirit to be complete. Peter explains this as he continues in the next verse. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That's the answer. The same Spirit that saves us, sets us apart. We have to yield to the Spirit's work as we do. We embrace our roles as strangers in a strange land. The Holy Spirit, it's His work. Learning to receive, like I was sharing with you earlier, allowing Him to take root in your whole being, your spirit, your soul, your body, your mind, allowing the Spirit of God to begin to have complete control of your life. You know, I remember Dr. Dr. Cho one time was teaching about speaking in tongues. And he said that, that someone had come into his church and started to challenge him about the prayer language in their church. They prayed in tongues. They would pray in tongues corporately, extended periods of time. It would sound like an ocean with thousands of people praying in the Spirit. And he said that, he said that um, you know, for, he, told, he said that, that the, he was talking to a Baptist brother. He said, the Baptist, the Holy Spirit, is the residence. But when, uh, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he said he becomes the president. And he has to give an address to the, to the crowds. I thought it was a pretty cool explanation. So anyway, the work of the Holy Spirit. This, this, the Holy Spirit wants to... 
Yeah, so this, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture that blends together our election and the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, actually, it's impossible to separate the, the election of God and the work of the Holy Spirit because that's exactly what He does. Uh, one of the words that, that Paul used that causes lots of friction and controversy was the word election. As some, some Christians think it's a, it's a, a curse word. Boy, is anybody out there today? Y'all sleeping? Okay. So election. Election is not a Christian curse word. It's biblical. Paul uses it over and over again, and and Peter uses it over again. Peter says that we are elect. He says we are chosen. It's the word chosen here. We are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. How? By the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the agent that God uses to perform His work of election and sanctification and transformation. These three major works of the Holy Spirit. He, he is, how, how was I, how was I converted? How was I drawn in? What caused me on that day of days in August of 1973 to finally say yes and yield my heart to Jesus? What, it was the work of the Holy Spirit. Somehow he made Jesus for the first time in my life. The Holy Spirit made Jesus strangely irresistible to my heart. He became beautiful. He became wonderful. He became lovely. He became so attractive. I found in my situation in August of 1973 impossible to say no. I couldn't say no. I couldn't. No, no was not an option for me. I couldn't say no. I was. He had his hook in my in my jaw. He was drawing me in. He was more lovely than anything I'd ever known. I was set apart and drawn in by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit chose me with His beautification of Christ, drawn in. And then He began this this work of of recreation. He breathed in me the breath of life. Oh, that dead person began to pass away and this new breath and new life came inside of me. I was born again by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All things passed away. My old thinking, my old desires, my old wants, my old habits began to be washed away. And he was pouring into me new life, new dreams, new hope, new power, new love, new affections, new attractions. Former things had passed away and now all things had become new. So he was, he drew me in, then he breathed in me, and he recreated me on the insides. It was much bigger than I thought. It wasn't a new belief system, it was a new life. Old life left, and new life came in by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he, then is the, 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 Peter goes on to talk about, he says that it's by the, by the sanctifying of the Spirit. Oh, I love that. You know, we don't hear much preached about sanctification. Everyone say sanctify. You know, we, th- we think, oh, those are the sanctified people. They wear long, guys wear long shirts and the girls wear long dresses and buns. That's not sanctification. Sanctification is being set apart by the Holy Spirit. That's what the word means. To be set apart. It's a spiritual work of, of God. It begins the moment... He gets that hook in you and you're drawn in. And you, and you say yes. 
And then he begins to breathe new life in you. This new life begins to transform everything about you. He begins to make all things new. All things new. He makes all things new. He's making all things new. When I worship, all things new. When I read my Bible, he's making all things new. When I pray in tongues, he's making all things new. When I take communion, He's making all things new. When I get in the prayer line and get under the anointing, He's making all things new. It's a transformation that began for me on the lakefront in 1973 and continues till this day as I press in and yield. Sanctify. 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 We can choose to stay the way we were. Living by our own means and our own will, our own decisions, or we can yield. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. I live my life now by faith in the Son of God. He breathed in me. He lives inside of me. He's empowering me. He worships through me. He prays through me. He preaches through me. He prays for the people through me. He touches me and changes me. It's Christ in us. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, I've got a couple, two other things I want to share with you. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4. He says, this has happened, that I would obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Now, I don't, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here, but natural inheritances never measure up to what you hope they'd be. They never do. You always think you're, you're both about to come in when so-and-so dies. Well, first of all, the lawyers get a bigger cut than you thought. The tax man takes a bigger cut than you thought. And there wasn't as much in there as you thought in the first place. And then you had never had any idea that your wonderful siblings would fight over it all. You thought they'd be lovely, especially if it's a bunch of Christians. I'm telling you, the inheritances in this natural world never, never add up to what you thought. You know, I remember thinking, you know, I was, when my dad, my dad died in 1987. And um, one of the things that I got in my inheritance was his gold watch. And, and my, all, the, every, all the family members were saying, oh, you got the gold watch. You got the gold watch. You got my, your dad's old gold Rolex watch, a beautiful watch. Well, the old gold Rolex watch was not worth the many thousands of dollars that everyone thought it was. It was worth $800. And though the precious ring that everyone talked about, it was fake. It looked nice. But this, this is a different kind of inheritance. This, this is an inheritance that doesn't fade away. This is an inheritance that's not gold streets. 
This is not my mansion on the hilltop over in glory. This is, this is an eternal inheritance that doesn't fade away because my inheritance is bigger than you can imagine. My inheritance is, is God Himself. My inheritance is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He is my portion. He is my life. And I can never, ever, ever exaggerate or underestimate His greatness. It's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you can imagine. You can't paint the picture of your inheritance big enough. You can't overestimate the greatness of our God. I've tasted the edge of it. When he came inside of me, I tasted the edge of it. This morning as we were worshiping, I tasted the edge of it. Makes me want it more. It makes me anticipate his coming. It wants me to tell this city about Jesus. It wants me to be that seed planted in New Orleans, scattered exactly where he wants me to be. And I, I want to finish with this last. I'm not... I'm just skipping around here in my notes. But I'm going to, this, last, this next verse, verse 5, Peter says, he says, we're protected. I'm protected. Now, he, Peter is, you know, this, he was, shortly after this, he was crucified in Rome. He was writing to people who were, were getting, he was, some of the people he was writing to were be, be dead by the time they got the letter. They were being persecuted. And he says, but we are protected by the power of God. Some, you know, and, and he, he said this. You remember the first, two, the first two apostles they went after was James and Peter. They killed James and Peter. An angel showed up and he escaped. Oh, that's just the way God did it. God decided one was going to be a martyr and one was going to hang around for another 30 years. They were both protected. They were both protected to fulfill the purpose and plan of God for their life. You can't hang a man born to drown, right? This, um, yeah, we're kept, we're protected by the power of God. God's Word is full of incredibly descriptive imagery. This passage describes how the supernatural power of God watches over us every moment. He's, the power of God, the Holy Ghost, is all around me, watching me, surrounding me, protecting me, carrying me along every moment of my life. Trying to live our lives in our own strength just doesn't add up. Our battle in this world is not natural. It's supernatural. In order to avoid the traps and snares of the enemy, we need God's power at work in us, at work for us, in us, and through us. Peter knew this and said that the power of God watches over us and guards us continually. Now, here's the definitions of this, he's guarding us. Dick Mills said it's a military term picturing a sentry standing as guard against the enemy. The power of God, the Holy Ghost, is a sentry, an armed soldier standing, guarding me from whatever comes. He's my guard, always on duty. Always watching over me. Brian Simmons, the tra uh, Passion Translation, says the, gar the, gar the Greek word for guards us is phronorororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororororor
wall of fire of fiery angels literally surrounding the power of God protecting me. Adam Clark said, we're defended as in a fortress or a castle. There's a remarkable correspondence between the two verbs in this sentence. The verb through signifies to keep, watch, guard, as in a place of custody or prison. A sentinel signifies to keep as under military guards. So the Lord himself is watching over us to protect us from every attack in this world. David said it like this, the angel of the Lord camps around about us, around those who fear him and rescues them. Or the angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. So the Lord has us in total protection. Peter had seen this word come true when he was arrested and chained between two guards. He was awakened from his sleep by an angel and set out to return to his ministry. Yet Peter was kept by the power of God, and so is this fisherman. I am as well kept by the power of God. I'm kept. Everyone say, I'm kept. Yeah, and, and that's the, 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 the problem is that we get stuck looking at things the way the world does. God's kingdom is not of this world. Jesus was absolutely protected when he was standing before Pilate. He was absolutely protected as they beat him. He was absolutely protected when he was being crucified on the cross. There's no one could do anything to him that the Father hadn't said yes to. Because it was the plan of God for Jesus to be that seed, that grain of wheat planted into the ground. He was the scattered seed that brought the harvest of the earth. He was planted in the ground. And then he was raised up from the dead. And the first fruits of the harvest began as Jesus was raised from the dead. I've been crucified with Christ. Yeah, we bear some sufferings in this world. The press against us. The press against the church is not natural. It's spiritual. There is a spirit behind the spirit of this world pushing against the church, bringing attacks against the church, trying to hem us in. But all they're doing is doing God's bidding. That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. They're, they're just putting us in the position that God wants us in. He wins. He wins. He wins, he wins, he wins overall. He, he wins individually and he wins corporately. He has a plan for you. Yield yourself to his mighty plan. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.